Welcome to the Heart of the Athlete. This is Reggie Etheridge welcoming you to the radio program for the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, featuring what God is doing in the hearts and lives of coaches and athletes in Idaho. Now, here are your hosts. Well, good morning, folks, and welcome to the Heart of the Athlete, the local FCA radio show here on KBXL 94.1 FM. I'm Ken Lewis, the director for FCA here in Idaho, and my co-host this morning is our Canyon County director for the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, Sean Rooney. Hey, Ken. Glad to be here again. Yeah, glad you're here with us. And uh, boy, we get to interview uh, uh, Oscar Duncan today. Oscar, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks for having me, guys. I'm happy to be here. Well, Oscar, you're uh, now the new throws coach at NNU over in Napa, and uh, so we're excited to to have you on the air. And uh, I know we're going to talk a little bit about that, but we're going to also talk about just uh, just your career and 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 different places you've coached. And so, thanks for taking the time to to be here this morning. And uh, I know you've been involved in FCA too, so some of that journey we're is in, so we're going to get to talk about that too. So. You originally, you grew up in New Jersey, is that right? Yes, uh, born and raised in New Jersey uh, until the ripe age of 18 when I in- ended up coming to University of Idaho. But yeah, grew up in Jersey. How'd you get involved in sports when you were a kid? Well, it's uh, pretty straightforward. My my sister, I, I'm the youngest of three, a brother, uh, older brother who's a police officer and a sister, my sister who's uh, who's now uh, works as a pastry chef and uh she was my first real sports role model. I never really looked up to professional athletes, per se, because um, I didn't know them intimately. But my sister got involved with track and field. She's, a, she's two years older than me in school, or two years ahead of me in school and about a year and a half older. And I watched her track career start, and it was just really exciting. And I, I just I wanted to—I saw the way my— my dad, in particular, uh, how the the amount of joy it brought my parents. She was also very good in school, and so it was just it was just a real easy thing to look up to. And and so I started probably doing track when I was in the seventh grade, um, and it was just kind of a seamless thing, kind of like hand in glove kind of deal. Uh-huh. What events really attract or that you, that you were attracted to or that you did early on there? Yeah, well, I mean, I, <laughs> I mean, I should I should. Uh, Everyone in Jersey, everyone plays basketball. So that's just like, <laughs> you know, walking to school. You all, everyone shoots. Everyone plays ball. Well, but, and you said your sister was a pastry chef. She's she's not on Cake Boss or any of that. No, no, no. She's not. She's she's. I mean, she's keeping it low key, but she does have her own. She does have her own um, uh, business on the side. And uh, but I uh, no. Uh, I think I think I I started. I I, I did pretty much everything. Every event was. You know, because I, I think in my formative years, you sprinted, you jumped, you, you threw. But I, I probably gra- I gravitated to throwing shot put and throwing throwing things. I was always in the schoolyard. I was the one who threw the hardest. That was pretty. That was I think a gift that I was given. I don't know. I had two great uncles that were Negro League baseball players, so they were invited to play in the Negro Leagues. But my great grandmother told them to get a real job, so they never never <laughs> ended up playing. I don't think they ever did much with it. But I, there was something there. I mean, my grandmother was a basketball player. My dad was, you know, we're talking about the 1940s and, you know, 1930s and 20s. So there wasn't the same opportunities, but they were involved with sport and athletics. So mm-hmm. I came up in track just doing a lot of different things, but really excelling in the throwing events. But I just, I just wanted to do that more wow. than the other stuff. 
Oscar, was there a time, uh, you're kind of explaining that evolution from focus on uh, throwing, where you um, kind of realized you were gifted, like, w was there like an aha moment, like a turning point where you're like, man, or an event of some sort where you're like, man, this is, this is where God's really blessed me and I want to continue to progress here? Yeah, well, um, I think, you know, I can actually remember a distinct time when I was probably about 14 or 15, so I was a freshman in, co in high school, and, you know, my dad, my parents were, work I came from a working home where both my parents worked outside the home, very, very vigorously, strong work ethic coming from both sides. Um, and uh, my dad happened to make, make it to attract me when I was a freshman, and I, my coach was there, and I said, hey, coach, w what do you think I need to throw to go to the Olympics? And he says, oh, geez, you know. I, <laughs> and this was javelin? This was a javelin. And okay. he's, I, said, he, I said, oh, man, because I, I was already a varsity athlete probably a couple weeks into to, to track and field as a freshman. And I'd thrown about 150 feet in the javelin, which was good for a freshman. It was good, but it wasn't like, you know, like, you know, it was just good. And so um, he said, man, you'd have to throw 170 feet or something. Like he just threw something ridiculous. So I went out and threw 170 feet that day. Uh, and so and then kind of just, it was just one of those, I was kind of ahead of, at that point, I was ahead of the curve. I was like, you know, and I was in, in a lot of different things. You know, I could high jump, I could throw, throw. But then the javelin started to become a preeminent, it was like the preeminent thing that I was do, doing at a at a level beyond my peers and even beyond, you know, in the metropolitan area, there's thousands, hundreds of thousands of kids. You know, I was transcending even what kids in my age group, group were doing. So I, I went to the nationals as a freshman, you know, 14-year-old, and I was second in the nation wow. as a freshman but still not just scratching the surface. They were just trying to figure, they hadn't had a kid that had that kind of arm arm talent. So I was really just scratching the surface and trying to figure out kind of what that was gonna be like. Wow. Well, so you, um, you eventually end up going to three Olympic trials and we're gonna talk about that in a little bit, but, but bef right before that, God brought you to Idaho. Right. Tell us about that and how God brought you to Moscow, Idaho. Yeah, that's kind of a interesting thing because, you know, as a kid, I, I grew up kind of uh, feeling like, um, I don't know, like a pull, I guess I, you could say. I wasn't what you would call an evangelical believer. Uh, I would say my parents instilled in me uh, this no, knowledge of God and, and uh, you know, that moral, moral deism or this idea that God, you know, God desires us to be good. Um, and I just didn't understand the relationship aspect and the part that Jesus played in, in dying for me on the cross. But I could, I just felt, you know, I had a really strong moral compass as a kid. And I traced that again to my parents teaching me the difference between right and wrong and at least instilling in me that, you know, God desires us to be good. Um, and, and so somewhere in my senior year, you know, there was some several schools there for sure, not not a not a ton of scholarship offers, but but Dan O'Brien was a decathlete, and by that time I was being kind of pushed towards decathlon because I was ex I was, you know, a top performer in shot, disc, jab, high, high jump. You know, I was one of the fastest kids on the team. So um, this is like 1993, So that's when you grad graduated, graduated from, from high school. school. And, and O'Brien was at the top at that time. He was doing very well in the in the ninety two games. He just missed. He missed. The Olympic, he no hide in the pole vault, but Keller, Mike Keller was his coach, and he was recruiting. And 
for some reason, I, I felt compelled to go to U of I. That's the best way I can describe it. Mm-hmm. So I just felt like, yeah, again, not having that relationship, knowing I didn't have the relationship with Jesus that I have, that I developed later on in life. I didn't get actually get saved until uh, 1997, August 20th of 1997. So we're talking about 1993. But I just felt compelled. My, people say, man, why do you want to go to Idaho? I was just like, I, I just feel like that's, that's where God wants me to go, or that's where I feel like I need to go. Where? You know, yeah. and then from Jersey, Moscow, to, Russia, right? I mean, it's really, it's, it's really kind of a strange feeling. But, but Dan was a big part of that, and his success. C- Coach Keller was was a very uh, was a was a was a very strong recruiter in that regard. Um, but I never saw the campus, and it, I came there sight unseen. First first time I got there was two or three days before classes started. I didn't wow. have class, so it was just kind of one of those. It was mm-hmm. a God thing. Um, and and so that was a, that's the best way I can describe it. Well, it was a big thing back then. Uh, Dan O'Brien and Dave Johnson. And I remember those Reebok commercials. I can't. I don't know if that was going into the '96 games or if that was the '92. '92. And but that was here's these two decathlete American decathletes and uh, Reebok got behind that and those commercials were all over and they were humorous and sat, kind of sat, a little bit of satire and mm-hmm. that was big, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, it was. You know, you'd see him on TV all the time and yeah. coming up to that Olympics. So you end up at U of I. What was it? You, you mentioned 97 um, and coming to the Lord. Tell us about that, how you how you surrendered to Christ. I think it was a process for me. Um, you know, just to kind of, for brevity's sake, uh, I, I, I really, it took me a long time to really, or probably the course of those three or four years, for God to reveal some things to me um, where, where I thought I would find fulfillment. So I, I felt like if I achieved athletic success, which you know is pretty well documented over the course of my time at University of Idaho that you know I was able to succeed very very well in, in that given in the given sport, um, you know that I would be fulfilled. I mean my senior year was pretty much a letdown. I thought I would throw further than I did. I didn't throw very well. as a matter of fact, you know, I was a state finalist for the the first three years of my career. I think a lot of coaches would have thought maybe by the senior year I'd win it, win the the, uh, the state championship. I didn't make it to the finals in, in the final, you know, the finals of the javelin as a as a senior. Mm-hmm. I was just devastated. Um, I get I for, I, for, I I didn't go to a senior prom. I mean, I was because I was prepared to go to nationals my senior year. It didn't happen. Um, and I was just really kind of depressed and, 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 and just let down. A year later, I'm the, I'm the U.S. junior national champ. So I was the best javelin thrower in the United States, 19 and under, when a year before, I wasn't the best javelin thrower in the state of New Jersey. So, I mean, I thought that would do it. I thought, hey, vindication, I'm the best. Now I'm, the, I'm at the best, you know, in, in the U.S. and one of the best junior javelin throwers in the world. And I thought that would, that would make a difference, and it just didn't. I mean, it didn't. It's not that it didn't feel good for a while. It just it didn't last, and so I was. I I pretty much set my heart upon several different things in college. Hey, it was important to get a degree, you know. And you know, I pursued you know academic success, and uh, I had a really. I was you know I was a special. I was a sped kid growing up. I was a special ed, and you know I never thought I could. You know I think a lot of people didn't think I would academically be successful in college on my own, and. Obviously, the Lord was with me, but I was able to work through some really, some really uh, tough inner battles to to find my way academically in college and be successful and 
prove to myself that I could achieve academically. I was diagnosed with H, uh, hyperactivity disorder, ADHD wow. as a kid. Um, and I lots just- Lots of challenges. Lots of challenges. I, I just, I wasn't sure. My, my guidance counselor, I remember in high school, she told me, she said, you know, you're not gonna, I don't think you can, I don't think you'll be successful there. I think you'll be back in a year. And then four years later to be graduating, you think, okay, I can, there's just no, there was just no joy in just being able to say, hey, I, I did this, you know, not in and of itself, not for me. Mm-hmm. There wasn't fulfillment. So I met a guy named Thad Hathaway who transferred in from Eastern Oregon who had been coached by John Spatz, and he ended up at uh, University of Idaho. And then I started, there was something different about him. His walk with Jesus was about relationship. It wasn't about being perfect. It was about being um, a humble servant and about the ask, you know, just just asking, you know, the hey, where are you at? Like, you know, seeing the struggle that I was having and being willing to, to ask how you're doing every day and be, and giving that invitation to, to you know, find it to, to a better way uh, through relationship with Jesus Christ. And, you know, me having kind of had that moral deist attitude of, hey, I'm doing good um, or I'm, I, I'm living a good life or, or I'm a decent crook or something like that. You know, I'm, <laughs> I'm out there trying to live that good life, doing things that, are good, um, what else is required? And that fear that God's going to ask more of me than I'm already giving, what else can I give him? And he showed me, he started to show me the relational aspect of, of Jesus and why Christ needed to die for my sins. And that happened, you know, man on man, uh, one on one. And then over time, I started to start asking some questions about my inner wrestlings and depression that I was going through and different things. And, mm-hmm. and I met my wife at the end of, of, in the summer of 1997. And I had some real tough questions about relationship. And I, I kind of came in a, up in the household with my folks. They, they, they remained married up until the day that my mom passed. And I know my dad loved my mom, but it was just, you know, you, you see hard things sometimes as a kid in, in, mm-hmm. in married life. And, and you don't under, you can't reconcile some of that stuff. And she helped me to to know that a perfect God can make imperfect people um, last, and 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 be blessed and grow. And I had hope. I, I developed a sense of hope that there was more to life than what I had seen, um, and that there was fulfillment in life beyond what I had ever seen. Mm-hmm. And over, I read a book by Max Lucado called "No Wonder They Call Him the Savior." And it just spoke to me of Jesus Christ. Uh, I started to get into the Gospels. Uh, my, my God was knitting. Uh, he was once again knitting my heart to somebody who became my bride for 20 years, my wife. And I was just really wrestling. And instead of all this apexing at one time in in Moscow, I, I decided I needed to go back to Jersey and because I was, I was finishing my undergrad and I needed to do an internship and I, I needed to go back home and I needed to process what was going on away from all these influences that really seemed to me to make it real easy to accept Jesus Christ. It was someone else's perspective. I, needed to, I took this book back and I went into the Gospels and I started reading through the Gospels to discover the person of Jesus Christ uh-huh. right at the source. And it was at that point that I realized that that everything that Jesus did, he was doing for me. Hmm. Um, and I, real, I realized his desire um, in many ways through other people that he was trying to have, he was trying to build a relationship with me. In that time, 
in Idaho, as tough as it was in many ways, psychologically and and in some ways spiritually and physically, was all about showing me that uh, he he was the he was the reason for all that. That whole wow. season, he was there. He was the reason that uh, uh, I went through those things to show me that it was all about him, not about those other things, not about the achievements, not about the articles, none of that. Because behind all that stuff, there's a real there's an imperfect person who's wounded and hurting and you know, just living life, trying to figure out how to get, how to make a dollar out of 15 cents or just try to pass a <laughs> test in college. You're just trying to figure out. And people, people, men, men were not made to be gods. And when you're that good at something, people want to figure out like what makes you who you are. And you and I'm just trying to find out. I don't know either. That right. thing, when that javelin leaves my hand, I don't know how far it's going. And, you know, you're just trying to find answers for four years, three, four years. I mean, I'm just, right. I'm like, you know, why, you know, people just asking and they're just drawn to your talent. And, you know, it's just felt good to give that back to the person who gave it to me in the first place and say, I, yeah. you know, I don't know. I don't know where it came from. I don't know. I don't know why I'm, I'm, I, I have this, but I know where it came from. Uh, and, and there's so many more answers. There were so many more answers, better answers that I could give to people when I knew the source of my strength and the right. source of that gift. And it was just, it was freeing, and it was, it was just so relie- so relieving to give that back to the Lord, hmm. and and I was able to start finding purpose in the right. pain and purpose in the journey. Uh, Making just, your faith real to you. It you drove know? me. It just it drove me to to go through some even some more maybe even some more challenging and difficult times um, because I could see I could see the purpose in it all. Yeah. Well, folks, if you're just joining us here on Heart of the Athlete, uh, visiting this morning with Coach Oscar Duncan, who uh, threw javelin at the University of Idaho, and uh, and then got into coaching as well. And yeah, uh, Oscar, quick man, powerful story, brother. And uh, I can tell you, when we first met over at the FCA office, and Ken, Ken ended up having to take out, we still stayed and we chatted. And I, I mean, I just I concluded after that, man, um, I could see such humility in you and. Um, you are an amazing testimony, and I haven't told you this uh, that, but I haven't told you this either. I was going to tell you here right before we recorded, but uh, ran into one of your throwers the other day oh. at NMU, and um, just asked how you know how are they doing, and the first thing that they they came out, and, and that wasn't about their athletic you know life, but the first thing that came out was like I love my new coach, I love my new coach, and um, so I just wanted to take a second and just pump you up, man, that God's doing some cool things through you um, already. We are talking about um, changing culture right before we started recording, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and now, I mean, you've been an athlete. You have been incredibly successful, and I love hearing your humility as you, even you share your success. You're almost like, don't want to say how successful you were, um, but incredibly successful and as an athlete and now as a coach. Um, you're coaching. What, what goes through your mind when you think of, you know, change or culture or, or what you would like to do to impact athletes as a coach? What, what comes to mind? What has God led you uh, to want to do? Man, that's, that's a really, uh, <laughs> that's, a, that's a powerful question um, because I feel like God gives each human being such an uncommon journey filled with grace and, and unique, uh, just uniquely powerful Blessings that are that are just hard to, to put into words, and so what I what I try to do is figure out what 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 that why is for that particular student athlete for that person, and 
build that relationship. I, to me, coaching is discipleship. Paternal, you could say there's a paternalism in coaching. I, I certainly hope so. I, I look at every kid that I've ever poured my life into uh, as a part of our family. Um, but there's discipleship there, and there's got to be intentional discipleship. Because if I'm if I'm being true to my journey, then the 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 win is Jesus Christ. Okay, so if you if you do any sport, this I don't care what it is. Um, you if if the whole point is to achieve, you know, a championship, be the best in the world, be the best. If that's the whole reason for your journey. Then that hunger just never. That's that's like a that's like a. It's, never cons- it's, it's a consuming fire, yeah. right? And and there's really no, if you have no compass, there's no moral mandate as to how you should pursue that goal. So should I use drugs? Should I push my body past its limits? Whatever whatever it is, whatever it takes to get there, if there's no moral compass and there's no why, that's that has the ultimate authority in defining how you get there, then it doesn't really matter. And that, to me, that journey is it's like, a, it's like a mouse on a wheel. You just keep going. You keep going. And there's always I, – I, I listen to sports talk. I mean, we watch – I watch a lot of sports, sports, ESPN, you know, stuff like that. And the, the criticism is constant. It's, it's pervasive. It's, it's profuse. It's just – it's constant. An athlete, you know – rises and falls with the power of the word or the power of the pen, one day up, one day down. So for me, it's like, it's talking to the student athletes about the eternal value in everything that we do in the way that we do it. It's not product, it's not product oriented, it's process oriented. And so it's about seeking Jesus and finding a way to glorify him in everything that we do in our entire process. And I think if we do that, then you do, you, you are, you are winning. You are successful, mm-hmm. and you will achieve greatness because you're growing in your spiritual life and you're growing um, in your, you know, athletic life as well. It's like a win-win, and I don't think you can do one without the other and have lifelong success. Well, that's that's neat to hear. I mean, as you're talking about being conformed to the image of Christ being the goal. I mean that. Uh, that's that's exciting, you know, as a coach, and it, it's exciting to have you back in Idaho, you and your family, mm-hmm. and we're excited to to I know your your daughter's gotten involved a little bit with the FCA over there at Meridian High, so mm-hmm. we're getting that going, and right. um, I we just have a, about a minute or so here left, uh, Oscar, and I just uh, wanted to ask you, I know here we are, Christmas time, what what is what spiritually is significant for you about about this Christmas time as we close out here? This, uh, this our time together, man. I think if any, if anything, my my I'm, I was what I call a a uh, low, the lowest common denominator type guy. This it was one of those deals where you say, you know, maybe this kid, I was maybe that kid that somebody might have felt sorry for, and to me. You know, Jesus is about that hope that defies all logic. We had a our 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 Savior came as a child, was born as as a baby in a manger in humble circumstances, in a place you would never guess the greatest the the King of all kings would be born. But that's God uses the simple things. He uses the humble things. He uses the things that we don't expect, uh, and He raises them up and He He exalts them on high. And so if you're one of those people that you just feel like it's, you know, it's hopeless, this is, this is a reminder to us that, you know, nothing is beyond God's 
majesty, his grace, his love, and his, and his mercy. Amen. Amen. Well, Oscar, it's been a blessing to, to have you on the air, hasn't it, Sean? It has been, man. Yeah, we're excited about you uh, being uh, involved a little bit with the, the Coaches Huddle. We have a Coaches Huddle over in and you. And, yep. Yep. and uh, we're just excited to see what God's going to do and just the adventure he has you on and, uh, and your family. So, folks, uh, we've been visiting this morning with uh, assistant track coach, throws coach over at Northwest Nazarene, uh, Oscar Duncan. And uh, Sean, it's been great to have you here with us again as a co-host. Oscar, thank you again for, for being on the air, taking the time to be on the show today, and, and just sharing what God's been doing in your life. Well, God bless you guys. I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. Thanks for listening today. If you are interested in getting involved with FCA or would like to donate to the FCA ministry, you can contact us through the FCA Idaho website at fcaidaho.org. Join us next week for The Heart of the Athlete, a production of the Fellowship of Christian Athletes in Idaho, and KBXL, The Voice. Yeah.